Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Sport of Kings podcast. On this pod, we cover the late pick five for Monmouth on Saturday, June 12th. This is show number 125, June 11th, 2021. I'm Scott Carson, founder of Sport of Kings, and I'm joined by my co-host, Hall of Fame handicapper, Chris Larmy. Chris, what's going on? Just starting to get into the uh, rhythm of the summertime, uh, longer days, warmer weather. Uh, this is my time of year, uh, summer racing, you know, the big time summer racing just around the corner with Saratoga and Del Mar. So feeling pretty good, you know, kind of nice and easy, uh, languid sort of uh, mood, summertime on the way. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm excited. And I just got a, a text from somebody saying, hey, I'm going to Saratoga in July. Do you want to join me? So uh, I'm looking forward to coming back to Saratoga and and also the NHC, which is going to be in August. And we'll be able to play Saratoga and Del Mar, which is pretty exciting. Yes, that will it will definitely be a different menu of tracks, different quality of racing than we're used to at the NHC. I think it'll be really positive and, and make for even a better event, but we'll see. Uh, definitely will be more of hang around the pool weather in Las Vegas that time of year for sure. Uh, if, if you bring any guests, yes, absolutely. If you, uh, if you're handicapping your, your iPad might melt while you're sitting by the pool. (laughs) Yeah. Don't take it into the water with you for sure. Play in the sport of Kings NHC qualifier starting every month. Each month, the top 50 players who are NHC tour members advance to round two, which is breeders cup weekend. In that final, 450 players will duke it out, playing all 14 Breeders' Cup races. Two people will win a seat to the NHC, and the top 100 will get tour points. Join the NHC Tour before any monthly round one begins. If you join the tour, you could win up to 20 seats to the NHC in free contests. For only 50 bucks, it's the best deal in racing. If you sign up for the tour, use promo code SPORTOFKINGS so we get credit. If you haven't signed up for our free contests with free DRFPPs, Go to sportofkings.net right now. Thank you and good luck. Today we have a special guest. He's a retired racehorse trainer. He has his own podcast called Going in Circles. He's Charles Simon. Charles, welcome to the show. Hey guys, thank you for having me on. Thanks for joining us. And I want to ask you a couple questions, Charles, before we get started, because uh, I only really know you from Twitter, so which was cool. Uh, you know, I think I've been following you for years, and uh, a lot of inside horse racing opinions. For our listeners to understand your background, can you give us a quick professional bio? Um, sure. I graduated from the University of Arizona racetrack program uh, many moons ago. Uh, I started out uh, on the 
on the front side, I worked as a assistant racing secretary at Yonkers for a couple of years, a harness track. And I kind of, I just got a little bit tired of working in the office. So I wound up uh, wandering over to Belmont and my friend Todd Fletcher was assistant for Wayne Lucas. And uh, I, I got a job over there and uh, just kind of got me started in the thoroughbreds and uh, worked my way up. I worked for a lot of, you know, really great trainers, uh, Nick Zito and Alan Jerkins and uh, went on my own. I trained for about 20 years and uh, I retired or quit, whatever you want to call it, a couple of years ago and um, was working with the, the Horsemen's Organization down here in South Florida, uh, putting together a co-op um, to provide uh, staples for the horsemen and the trainers. And of course, COVID kind of happened and it kind of screwed everything up. And um, you know, in the meantime, I, I started the podcast going in circles uh, last June, as a matter of fact, and um, it's, it's going pretty well, actually. Uh, uh, you know, podcasts have really taken off everywhere. And, and you know, the horse racing business, uh, of course, is, is, uh, is not uh, exempt from that. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's been a I, I grew up in Saratoga, so I mean, I've essentially been in this business my entire life, and uh, you know, it's something that you grow to to be part of you and to to love it more than you know just a job. Cool, cool. Now, I <clears throat> I listened to the Going in Circles podcast. Uh, I think last Monday's version as I was driving up here to Massachusetts, and uh, I know you're pretty vocal about not agreeing with the non-whip rule at Monmouth, and you don't have to go into all the reasons that you don't agree with it, but um, I, I wanted to ask you, is it affecting any part of your handicapping today? Is it changing the way you look at the races? It, it does. To me, it, it definitely does. Um, the reason, I mean, there's a couple of reasons why I was against it. I mean, to, to make it short and sweet was I didn't like the way it was implemented. I didn't like the way, uh, I mean, in my opinion, it's been written by people that are outside of our industry. Um, I don't like the fact that the jockeys really weren't given much of a, a say in it, considering they are the ones that are actually having to put their neck on the line. Uh, I think the the fact that most of the major jockeys have been very vocal and very supportive of not riding there says something because this is a business that the people rarely stick together. Um, and I think it's it's an intrinsic part of the game that is missed a little bit. And I'm not a jockey, but I was married to a jockey. And I've spoken to a lot of jockeys about this topic. And one of the things that we just don't see is how they use the, the, the sticks to niggle on a horse a little bit to get them to change leads to, you know, j just a lot of different things, not, not just beating on them. And um, I just think that it's, it's part of, it'd be like playing baseball and telling the, the fielders, well, you have to use a glove so that that's kind of my issue, and and I do I I think that there's certain types of horses, and I think it'd be better if I explain as we went, um, you know, the ones I see that I think might not uh, do quite as well without uh, without the jockey carrying a whip as opposed to some that that it might not matter at all. Okay, well, de definitely look forward to hearing your perspective on that, and I I have an opinion myself in one of the races about that. Uh, Chris, did you have any questions for Charles? Well, I'm going to ask some as we go through some specific things, but the first question I have is about the first race we're going to cover is called, it's a, 
a type of race, a waiver claiming race. And I think some of the listeners might not have any idea how a waiver claiming is different than a claiming race. So since you have the trainer perspective, maybe you can kind of briefly explain what the difference is and why sure. it might matter. No problem. Uh, a waiver claimer race is a race where um, one of the issues that we had, uh, in, I mean, we've always had, especially in the claiming race, is, is um, the worry that, that horses that were less than 100% were being asked to run. And, and what an always an issue we had was that owners that spent the money and trainers that spent the time to bring a horse off of an injury and get them back healthy 100%. When they came back and they ran, they would get claimed right off, right off the bat. Um, so the idea was to give those horses kind of a one-race pass if they bring the horse back off of a, uh, a certain layoff. Some places it's six months. I think some other places it might even be uh, as, as low as four months. But uh, you get essentially a free pass in your first claiming race if it's at the same level of your last race or higher. Um, so it, it kind of incentivizes people to give horses more time to not, you know, to try to get them healthy, to try to heal them up and, and bring them back as opposed to just trying to dump them on someone else, um, which of course is something that, uh, you know, is, is in this day and age is, is really not kosher. So um, given that, um, they kind of get the free pass to bring them back at the, as long as you bring them back at the, you know, a level, you're not dropping them down or anything. Right. So as a player, do you view that as a positive? That, that means a trainer gets a free pass and he's going to have this horse cranked up and win risk-free or is it negative because he's probably just in it to get a race in him, you know, or does it, is it hard to tell? I'm just curious what you think from a trainer perspective. Um, is the mindset on that sort of a race? Honestly, I, I think that's really more trainer dependent. Um, you know, certain trainers have horses ready to go off layoffs, other trainers training style. And it's usually a training style issue more than anything. Um, but like if you, you did have a horse and, and, and uh, you'd spent time on, you know, with, with him and he had, he had trained really well, this would be a great opportunity to try to, 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 to win a race knowing that the horse can't get claimed. And regardless of what happens, you can move them up or move them down off of the race. So, I mean, in theory, you, you would think that the horse would be um, more ready to run as opposed to a horse that maybe was a little short and he runs a good third. <laughs> then if you run back, you're almost assuredly going to get claimed. So, uh, but I, I think it's really more, that's more of a trainer, uh, you know, some trainers are, are really sharp at bringing them back and some trainers um, are not quite as, as, uh, as good at bringing them back off of layoffs. Okay, great. So um, I'll have some more questions like that as we go through these races, trying to pick your brain from a, the trainer angle, but that's real interesting. So it sounds like you'd say positive if, if the trainer typically does pretty well off layoffs and the horse seems to have been training well, it, it it, they might be really, you know, um, putting this horse in, hoping it, you know, to run its best race right off the bench. Yeah, I, honestly, I think the most negative angle would be a horse that had a potential to run in, in a waiver claim, or say the horse had been racing for 16, and the trainer chooses to bring him back and run him for eight. Um, now maybe they're trying to play a little bit of, of you know, you know, trying to bluff in a, po a kind of a poker game, but 
um, usually if you're going to get a free pass in a claiming race, you're going to take it. And, uh, you know, I, I honestly, I, I don't know that it's, I, I think it's still more of, um, you know, I would be more cognizant of like who the trainer is and, and what his, his patterns have shown. Great. Thanks. Okay. Well, let's get started with a late pick five at Monmouth. It starts with race nine on Saturday, June 12th. And it's a waiver claiming. Mile and the 16th on turf, a purse of 24500 for three-year-olds and up. Charles, why don't you get us started? You know, guys, this race to me was the hardest race to come up with a horse to say, you know, this is the one horse that I really like. Um, and I, I think the favorites have a lot of holes in them. A lot of issues. As a matter of fact, um, of the horses we talked about with the lacking the whip might be included in in, in that uh, favorites with the hole in it. But but I kind of landed on Alonzo Mosley, who's uh, named after the FBI agents in, in the great movie Midnight Run. Um, you know, he broke his maiden last time on an off the turf race here at Monmouth. Um, got to the lead and and, and won really easily. Uh, it was a really small field. The number came back okay. Uh, what I like about the horse is that he, he's got some tactical speed. He's inside. And uh, the one thing about Mama's turf course, because I, I was stable there for many years, it's hard for deep closers on that turf course. It's just a hard thing to do um, for whatever reason. Uh, just the way the course lays out, the way the course plays, it's really kind of a better situation for speed horses or, or stalkers. And I, I think he's going to get – uh, a little bit of the jump on this field. Um, and, I mean, he's not like a huge – like, I don't love the horse as a as a huge, like, single or anything. But if, uh, you know, we're, we're, if you want me to pick one that, that I would use, um, that would be the one. Okay, Alonzo Mosley, who just won his maiden on the slot. Chris, what did you think here? Yeah, he's kind of interesting. I wasn't sure what to make of that because um, it did seem like he ran really well on the in the slop, and he had been running on the turf prior to that. So that's an interesting horse. He did draw the inside. Oh, well, I just want to point out there is one horse in this race. That's the only one I could find that sort of took advantage of the waiver claiming angle, and that's the one Ohana Empire that's actually not in for a tag in this race. Um, so I just point that out, and I'll I'll be kind of interested in in Charles's thoughts on that one when we get back around to him. Um, The horse I really like in here is the Five Wicked Finn, and the reason I like him is that um, he's one of these horses that ran two or three really kind of dull races on the dirt, and then they tried him on the synth, and he sort of freaked. Um, so I really like that. And he's sort of turf breeding pretty much top and bottom. Uh, he's had one, that was back in October as a two-year-old. So he should have developed quite a bit since then. And he's had one start this year that was on a, a sloppy track. And they now they bring him back uh, on the turf, um, which is where you'd expect to see this horse, given how well he ran on the synth and typically those horses run well on the turf as well especially when they move up um, quite a bit from dirt to synth 
So to me, this horse could run a really big race in here and is likely to get overlooked as 12 to 1 in the morning line. Does have good tactical speed, showed that speed, and it's a comeback race last out in a sloppy track. Got a little tired at the end in a race that kind of fell apart up front where he was in kind of a three-way battle for the lead on a sloppy track. Gets in light at 115 pounds. So, you know, he's getting like nine pounds from a horse like Alonzo Mosley. But part of that's the age difference. And, you know, uh, he's a three-year-old and some of these are four-year-olds. But you know, I think, you know, Wicked Finn is very live long shot in here, the five horse. Wicked Finn, I definitely like and am using. I'm using a bunch of horses. But like Charles, I could not decide. Yeah, you know, there was no horse that. That really stood out to me. Uh, so I'm just put on top. I'm going to put on the horse, uh, the 10 horse eagerly. He's improved every race aside from his one slop race. His last race was a toss as it was on dirt and he was against a speed flow. His worst are as good as ever. I am a little worried about the post, which is why I'm going deep in this race. But um, yeah, I'm going to go about se seven deep in this. I'm including Ohana Empire, who uh, has a nice workout coming into this. And like you said, Chris, is the only one who's not in for a claim. And uh, it's interesting that he's not in for a claim, and he's got a nice minute point two gate work. And he also gets in light at 117. And uh, looks like his mother was a winner on turf. So, and, and, and he's one for one on the Monmouth turf. So... So, you know, those would be sort of my two favorites, um, but, but I'm also going deep. Yeah, and he drew the rail, which is good on a two-turn turf race. And this is another horse that sort of ran dull races on the dirt and then really moved forward on its first try over turf. And that was back in October, and the horse should have developed quite a bit. And like you said, it seems to have been training well, and based on what Charles said, you know, a horse that's been training well and comes back in this protected spot, um, that might be a positive sign. We'll see what Charles thinks, but that, that does seem to be kind of match what, what he was saying earlier. Yeah, he was one I, I would have on my tickets. I mean, Doug Nunn usually takes the winter off, um, and his horses have been running well at Monmouth, so uh, he, he certainly was, was in the mix. Um, you know, I, I think that ultimate irony will get some money uh, the three horse from Mike Stidham. I mean, he'd been running against better horses down at the fairgrounds, and I mean, it might even be a little bit of a a hidden class drop. A thirty never went two at Belmont might be a little more tough. I might might be a little tougher than a thirty never went two at, at Monmouth, but uh, I I don't like his his racing style for Monmouth uh, at all. Uh, I thought the four was kind of funny, just going through the PPs, thinking that he, he certainly won't. Uh, fitness shouldn't be the issue, considering he's been coming out of a two and an eighth mile races over the jumps so, yeah can i jump in and ask that's one of the ones i was going to ask you about i mean this horse is coming off the hurdles it's flat races fit pretty well with this field i mean in new york sometimes these horses come off the hurdles and run in the flats um you have any opinion on that from a trainer perspective <laughs> i'll be honest no i i just uh i just thought it was kind of funny that, that he'd been racing uh, uh you know over the over the jumps pretty unsuccessfully i might add um 
But, but uh, fitness won't be a question with that. Fitness <laughs> should not be an issue with, uh, you know, the outlaw Gary Wales riding at 2% is probably not one of the, uh, something you, you want to put uh, a lot of faith into. Um, Wicked Finn, I thought was kind of, uh, there was one thing about Wicked Finn that I, I thought was interesting in that he has uh, three siblings that are all grass winners too. So, you know, the, the pedigree is there. Um, he, it's just, it, you know, you're, you're guessing. It's a guessing game always when you're first on the turf. So, uh, but he shouldn't be too far out of it, which, which you know, his, his style should kind of play to um, the, the surface as well. Uh, I thought the six actually was even a horse you could throw in. And he, he's bred, uh, at, at least his sire, Treasure Beach, is, is really a strong turf influence. Um, and, and he was pretty impressive breaking his maiden, albeit against 16 claimers. Uh, but then he showed nothing in, in his, his one mammoth race. And, um, I mean, it, it wouldn't be uh, shocking. And Mike Denny often scores at, 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 at decent prices. So, um, you know, uh, again, at, at this is the race I think you got to go really, really deep in. Uh, and the seven will get money for Safi Joseph. Uh, that horse is – I wasn't that impressed. I, I don't think it's a much – it's a little bit of a drop down here. I don't think it's a much of a drop down at all. Those races that he was racing at Gulfstream uh, really were not that highly rated. Um, and Bruce Brown has the, the what will sure to be the favorite that uh, none of us selected, and that's elusive ruler. This is a horse I think will suffer a little bit without um, the whips in that if you look at his lines, he consistently loses ground in the stretch. Like virtually every race, um, he loses ground. Even the race way down uh, at Gulfstream last year where he won, he, he lost ground in the stretch. He, he hung on. Um, but those are the type of horses that I think uh, will will probably uh, really be at more uh, at disadvantage with, without having a stick. Not, not that they need to be beaten, but they don't even get a reminder. And horses like him that have 12 lifetime starts all having been ridden with a and now you don't have it. Uh, I think my, my, my co-host on the, the, our big Monday show, Barry Spears, mentioned it a couple times. He, he, you know, in looking at races at the moment, he goes, it's almost like the horses are waiting for it. And they don't get it. And sometimes they just start to like, you know, they don't switch leads and they, and they just kind of fade. And, um, and, that's kind of that, and that's one of those issues. I, I just don't, just another um, variable that is really tough to account for. Okay. But, well, yeah, I, I would say though, you know, if you're right, you know, you got a little bit of an edge there. Um, it's a paramutual game, so um, I'm going to keep an eye on what exactly what you just said. Play in the Sport of Kings DRF Bets Summer Challenge. Each weekend in June, the top 50 players will win a $25 credit to their DRF Bets account. Don't have an account? Well, we'll give you one. The top 50 also advanced to the DRF Bets 4th of July Finals. We'll have nine races that three-day weekend, and top prize will be a $200 credit to DRF Bets. Play every week as you can win more than once. Don't delay. Go to sportofkings.net right now. Okay, we'll move to the 10th race. It's the best race of the day. It's the Salvatore Mile, a mile on the dirt for 150000 with uh, for three-year-olds and up, and we'll have Chris get us started on this one and then swing to Charles. Well, I hate kind of 
leaning towards the chalk, but to me, New York traffic looks pretty strong in here. I mean, he's kind of, he was a good horse last year. I thought his, his, um, uh, I guess it was the Haskell the times are so the dates are so weird, but yeah, I think it was the Haskell where he came back at on a authentic and, and ran really big. And, you know, that race was a classic bounce. I mean, he, he ran a couple of times after that, didn't run a jump. Um, something went wrong in that race that he, that, that stress took its toll, but then he came back off the layoff and ran really well. Now he's second off the lap as a four-year-old. We talk about this all the time on, on the pod. You expect to see uh, a big performance from him. Safi Joseph, you know, got, you know, has the ability to get good races out of these horses. Um, Drain the clock ran really big last week. So to me, New York traffic's a legitimate favorite, the one to beat. Um, you can make case for some others um, and I'll, I'll come back around if, if you guys don't mention a few other horses that I think have a shot, but to me, New York traffic's kind of like a, either a single or a lone a, if you're playing kind of the ABC method in this race, he, he looks strong to me. Uh, geared down by Irad Ortiz and his return. Charles, what did you think here? Well, he certainly could win the race. Um, there's no doubt that his, his comeback performance was, was exceptionally good. And, and I'm almost concerned that it was too good and that uh, I mean, he might have been a little too sharp, uh, which sounds, you know, a little silly, but, uh, you know, might he bounce here? Uh, my question with him is that there's a lot of inside uh, speed. Um, the one, the two, the three, uh, the, well, not not so much will, West Will Power, but um, certainly uh, Galerio is, is going to be um, on the pace or somewhere around there. Bal Harbor should be up forwardly placed. Green, like Go, should be forwardly placed. Um, and I, I'm just questioning, you know, is Paco is going to just sit three or four wide both turns and maybe give someone else um, a shot to get a better trip? Uh, I mean, I, I'm kind of chalk averse, so like I, I'm always looking to try to beat New York traffics of the New York traffics of the world. Um, there was a horse in here who, who I bet last time who really disappointed and didn't show much, but I, I believe he's he's a talented, really talented horse, uh, and that's number eight Basin for Todd Pletcher. He uh, he got the horse from Steve Asmussen last summer. And this was a horse that had been on the Derby Trail. It actually finished second to Charlton in the uh, the Arkansas Derby. So uh, he, he actually was the winner of the Arkansas Derby for a little while <laughs> until the Arkansas <laughs> Racing Commission <laughs> overturned themselves. Um, but to me, the horse that, that you know, he, he Todd sprinted him right off the bat, right into the Amsterdam. He ran a bang up race in, in a um, in a race that was a, a really highly rated race. He came back. Uh, off the left, I mean, obviously something happened in the Sher Shackleton at Gulfstream, and he won. He won nicely that day. Like he, he really seemed like um, like he had a little bit more left in the reserve. Even though uh, Jose, you know, he, he he didn't like win in a hand drive, but he looked like a horse that that was going to improve off that effort, and he absolutely did not. And he ran him back in the Grade One on Derby Day in the undercard against. Uh, 
Flagstaff, Whitmore, and, and the crew. And a horse named Bangle came out of that race, uh, who finished sixth there, um, just ahead of, of Basin, and came back and won the Aristides uh, pretty nicely. At Flagstaff the other day, ran second against uh, Frenzy Fire at Belmont. And Frenzy Fire, we know, is a, is a Belmont lover. But that race got a huge number. And, and Flagstaff was only a few lengths behind. So uh, he comes out of a pretty live race. And I think going back to two turns, he, he's a dangerous horse. Okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick a different horse than either of you gentlemen. I'm going with West Will Power, and I'm going to make him a single in this sequence. He's improved every race, and his last race he won by nine lengths under a hand ride with ears pricked. It was a sloppy racetrack, so you know, always take that with a grain of salt, but it wasn't a huge race for him. So, uh, so I think he's got some upside since his last, he's had his fastest work. He's two for two in Monmouth and he has a nice post. And, um, I think there's value in betting against New York traffic. You know, it's, it's, this is a, this is a, a, a trainer thing for me. You know, some trainers will bring their horses back with a sprint and then stretch out to two turns. And Safi Joseph just doesn't do that very often. In fact, he's only four for 28 doing it with an 075, 0.75 ROI. I just, I don't know. To me, I kind of, I kind of agree with Charles that I want to play against this horse. He looks like he's not better than he was last year. He might react to that race. I know there's been plenty of time, but to me, he doesn't look, you know, particularly healthy. So, uh, so I'm going to play against him and hope to get some value with West Will Power as the single. All right. Um, yeah, I mean, West Will Power and Basin are both, um, uh, you know, possibilities. I the Basin, uh, the outside post in that and spotting weight, and I, I just have always felt like that was he's a one turn horse. So I'm not really positive about him stretching back out i kind of like the fact that fletcher brought him back sprinting and he did run kind of a clunker last time but he gets lasix back on in here so i've been one i wanted to like basin when i saw the entries i was because i I was just like charles i like basin in his last start and he just completely disappointed um so i wouldn't be shocked if he runs well but i just could not talk myself into him um given the post and the weight and Westwell powers is good. He has to class up a little bit here, but you know, certainly he hasn't ever run a bad race. Uh, I do think he needs to improve though. And he's been improving with every start at some point, you know, that the progression tends to slow down, I think, but you know, both of those seem like possibilities. Uh, the only other horse I liked after New York traffic was the three horse bow Harbor. who's probably the fastest horse in the race on its best day and it's run well off layoffs before and it's been training pretty well for this race so to me it draws an inside post it might get a nice trip um stocking the 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 leaders and um if the horse fires off the bench it certainly could win and um it may get bet but six to one you know to me i'd take bow harbor over West Will Power Basin at, at the same odds, and they're probably all three going to be about the same odds. 
You know, I, I looked at Val Harbor. The one thing that kind of stuck out to me was that he hasn't won a race since 2018. Um, and he, he always runs good, but he doesn't, he doesn't ever seem to get there. Um, and, and, you know, he has been keeping solid company. But there's a fun, it's funny because the horse that won this race last year, Pirates Punch, uh, didn't even get mentioned um, at all. And, and uh, I think really the post really is, is, is tough for him, post 10 and these short run to the first turn miles. And, uh, I mean, Robbie Alvarado was, was a good jockey at one time, but he just doesn't ride anymore. And uh, I just don't know how jockeys that don't ride hardly at all um, that aren't named like Mike Smith can 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 stay uh can stay sharp and i just couldn't see any trip that pirates punch could get uh to put him in in this you know in in the field um uh, at all i mean the thing i I did worry about i I did like west will powers form i mean the horse has never missed uh, a check first or second but you know i'm always a little wary about keeneland sloppy track races because I, i don't know what it is about that track but the, the races seem to spread out on, on the, at Keeneland, uh, those, those short turn, uh, the short stretch races more than any other track I, I've seen. It, it, it's, it's kind of a, a strange phenomenon, but I mean, certainly the horse should get a good trip. And, and I just wanted to say, you know, Galerio is a horse that like literally never leaves Maryland, but you don't see a whole lot of horses who are 20 for 24 um, first or second in, in a you know, lifetime and I mean, the horse on his form, at least the the the, the PPs I'm looking at, uh, doesn't show a, a race where, where he was worse than than second. Um, you know, kept a, maybe a, a little lesser company than some of the other ones, but I mean, he always runs. And um, you know, a horse that that literally never misses, it's it's, it's tough to really toss them too. <laughs> it's a pretty tough race. I will say that I like Pirates Punch, and he would absolutely be used for me. But the outside post plus Robbie, uh, who tends to go wide, and there's a lot of speed in this race, uh, it looks like that will be enough to to uh, prevent him from winning the race, although I, I can certainly see him getting second. To pile on Pirates Punch, in the DRF article, the trainer, and, and we can ask our trainer about the trainer speak here. His quote was, I wouldn't be surprised if he got a little tired. Our goal is to have him ready for a whole year of racing. To me, in trainer speak, that is, this is a, says this is a prep, but maybe it's just trainer speak. I'm just curious if you had any interpretation on that, Charles. You know, Grant's a pretty, he, he's a pretty forthcoming guy. And, and if he says that, I, I believe him. And I think that post 10 probably sealed it the fate for them in that regard and that they'll probably take him back a little bit more than they normally would just trying to not be seven wide in the first turn. Um, it, it just, again, it, he's, he seems like he's going to either have to fire out of there and try to clear, which doesn't seem like he's really fast enough to do, or, I mean, get, just get stuck, um, you know, stuck wide. And, and I just don't think he's good enough to be, four wide both turns and, and still beat these horses. And uh, I, I will say that the, the disqualification last year in the Isla was the disqualification I've ever seen in my life. And I didn't bet the race, but I'm, 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 you know, Grant's my friend and 
I'm, I'm still mad about that race. <laughs> that was that was brutal. Well, I did not see that DQ, but um, I'll, I'll trust you that it was bad. Uh, you anything else to add on this one, Chris? Or should well, we move I was just going to say on that DQ, even the owner agrees with you. The other horse, Marshall Graham, I, that, I think <laughs> I put Warriors reward uh, or Warriors charge or his horse up that day. And he just felt pretty lucky. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was that, you know, like we can all disagree on, on, on calls and, and um, I mean, it, it doesn't seem like, it seems like different steward stands have different uh, interpretations of things, but man, that, that one was, I, I don't know. That, that, that one was pretty bad. Yeah. I think that's one where they ought to have like in, in soccer, they never call it, but they have a, a penalty called simulation. You know, they should throw that flag on jockeys who, you know, way overreact and lose position for their horse because of their overreaction, not because of what happened. You know, that they should get penalized for that, you know, because the, it's the they're, they're the ones. Ver- there was the jockey flop. version of flopping. <laughs> yes, exactly. That was the bit one of the better flops or biggest flops I've seen was that Paco flop on Warrior Shirt. <laughs> I mean, the only way it could have been worse is if he literally jumped off the horse, uh, you know, onto, into the infield. I mean, it was <laughs> it, it was it, it was an Academy Award winning performance, and believe it or not, they bought it. So hey, what are you gonna do? Okay, we'll move on to the eleventh race. It's the it's the 11th race, the maiden special weight, mile and 16th on turf, first of 45,000 for three-year-olds and up. Charles, what do you think about this grass race? You know, like I said earlier, I'm kind of a chalk-averse person, but I think the one is, is the controlling here from the rail with Paco, comes off of a, a, a good race at Goldstream um, that honestly looked like he had it won. Uh, and, and might have just got a little tired. Pletcher is not – Pletcher's really good with first-timers, but he's not great with first-timers um, going long on the turf. He's only about 10%, I believe, um, with with those those types. So uh, this horse should improve a little bit, and, and he just looks like the controlling speed, and, and that's a dangerous thing at Mammoth Park uh, on the turf course there. The Pletcher second time are sure to get plenty of money at Monmouth. Chris, what did you Well, I agree with everything that Charles said about the one horse. I do think, um, you know, Pletcher is much better the second time out, and the horse draws the rail, gets Paco, has speed, all those things. So definitely a contender, probably be an underlay. Um, but I think in picks, you'd have to include it for sure. The horse I there's several in here I I'm interested in. Uh, one is the six horse two step and Kluki. Uh, I like this horse because it kind of had a dirt sprint as a prep, and then the first time they stretched it out on the turf, it ran a much improved race, and now they they come back and it's second start going long on the turf. I I really like that kind of a horse. It's really had a good workout since that last race um so to me i'd expect to see some improvement and improvement off of that race could you know win so to me at 15 to 1 on the morning line that horse is a, a must include in the picks and in a potential play in the verticals as well 
He had he had blinkers as well. Um, I'm going to use both your guys' horses in this race. I'm going to go pretty deep, six deep. The horse I'm going to put on top, though, is 50 Shades of Grey. The horse was super ranked throughout the first turn of his debut. Once he settled, he made a solid run. He was bet down to like five to one for a trainer that does well on the turf. And I don't know what happened, but I, you know, the, the, the horse could potentially run erratically again. But I, I'm going to take the positive view and figure that with that experience under his belt, he'll do better today at a price. He has turf breeding. He shows a 48-4 gate work since his last race. And the trainer excels second time out. So that, that's my top pick, but I am six deep, including Freer and two Stefan Kluke. So, Charles, jump in with anything else you might have in here. Um, the three is listed at three to one morning line. Uh, and and that's, that's one of those horses that just seems like she just, uh, or he just chases. Um, he, ne he never really, you know, kicks in. Uh, sometimes he'll pass the tired ones. But it, it's a Jersey bred as well. So uh, I don't know if they just aren't right, racing Jersey bred maidens on the grass yet. But he does run for a forty percent, forty percent bonus, which which helps a lot. But I mean, that seems like he's one of those horses that that is pretty solid underneath. But I don't know that that that, that that's one I would really rely on uh, to try to win. Uh, and honestly, everything else in this race is really kind of a shot in the dark. I mean, um, I mean, I, I really couldn't come up with 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 anything um, you know other than the ones that you guys came up with. So I, I have a, a horse that interests me, and I want to get Charles's um, take on this one, and that's the eight-horse Lamino, the other Pletcher. This horse was a $2 million purchase uh, in 2018, and it has not gotten to the races until now as a four-year-old, and it's a half to stop charging Maria, and it's by Medallia Doro, and it's not like it had workouts and then it, at like big gaps in its works, it never had a published workout until December, and it's been working continuously since then. And now they bring it back in a turf route. Uh, to me, you know, it's a two million dollar horse. If it's it's got to have it, or it might have some talent. It could be another green monkey, but it's just real interesting. They bring it back in this spot. It has a pretty good work tab. I'm just curious if you had any thoughts on that one, Charles. Uh, you know, in terms of it's kind of unique. I, I honestly, I think that if this horse was okay, that he, he wouldn't be here. Um, they wouldn't be trying. I mean, Pletcher is, is generally a guy that will, uh, will sprint the horses. Um, and, and then, you know, stretch them out. He tries them here. He, he shows you know, two works um, at Palm Beach Downs. Well, back in April on the turf, but I mean, uh, nothing, nothing special. Uh, it's just, uh, I guess you'd, you'd have to watch the board, but um, if you're playing to pick five, uh, you're not able to do that. But I, I just didn't really think, I, I just don't like horses like this. I mean, they, they seem like they're busts and it seems like almost kind of a desperation. Hey, let's throw them in on the turf at Monmouth and, and see what happens. And uh I'm sure had there come some rainstorm, they'll probably run the horse uh, off the track, you know, on the uh, the dirt. 
or excuse me, on the the um, the dirt as well. You know, it, it might be a situation where he's trying the horse on the turf because he thinks the horse might be a little slow and, and, and might might need um, two turns. And like I said before, it's not that easy to find two-turn dirt horses um, these days. It just isn't easy to do. And uh, uh, there was one other horse who, who I, I think I, I wouldn't be completely shocked if they won, and that was the five Neotropic for uh, J.J. Toner. Um, the horse really improved his second start. But, uh, you know, he's cutting back in distance. And, again, he's got a style of racing in his first two races where he just has no early speed at all. And, um, and those horses just traditionally have not been strong plays at Mom's Park at all. One thing I'll uh, note about um, Lumino, Pletcher doesn't do – he doesn't start horses turf routing very often. Uh, he, he hits at 8% with a 127 ROI. So, you know, that echoes the negative connotation that Charles mentioned. Yeah, well, definitely they didn't buy, spend $2 million to wait till, till June to, as a four-year-old to run in a maiden race at, on the turf at Monmouth. That probably wasn't the plan for sure. Um, but it's just interesting because the horse, they did pay a lot for it. And it is a four-year-old running against mostly three-year-olds. So, uh, I mean, just, it seems like if it has any talent at all, <laughs> it might be able to win this race. But like Charles said, you kind of want to watch the tote. And in the pick five, you're not going to have that luxury um, for sure on this horse. Yeah, not much turf breeding there either. I mean, I know Medaglia Oro, but I don't think any of the siblings won on turf. Like none of them have even raced on turf. He has been. He did train him. He did run him several times um, uh, in on the turf in workouts down in Florida. So, but yeah, it's 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 kind of strange horse. It's just it'll be. I don't know. I don't know what to do with that horse. I mean, at eight to one, you know, you might throw him in there for the two million, you know, the two million angle. Yeah, it's almost like the kind I don't mind using defensively because you're not like defensively using a four to five shot. It's, you know, he's not going to be four to five. If he is four to five, he won't be four to five <laughs> in the picks. You're right. So no. um, right. that'd be a good thing sure. if he goes off at four to five, because you probably got some value there. Um, that, that's kind of what you hope actually, if you're playing him and throw him in, in the pick five. Hey, so I, I, I also agree with Charles that neotropic is used, but I'm also going to mention this Wolgamuth. And I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. Volgamut. Volgamut. <laughs> <laughs> is that like the German for Voldemort? Yeah. You know uh, the other way of saying that is? The four horse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. For, you know, for the people that are driving, the, for the people that are driving, I'll just say the horse you can't pronounce. <laughs> it's Volgamut. Volgamut. That's how you pronounce it. it. I think it actually yeah. means like, I think it's, it's a flower or something. I think it means like happy in German, believe it or not. <laughs> they weren't happy have to look it up. Well, I'll have to look it up. Hopefully, one of uh, one of our listeners will tweet us about what what that horse, what that name means. But you know, I was thinking, Lemon Drop Kid out of a more than ready mare, so should be able to turf. 
But what's, you know, Steve Asmussen, like how often does he sprint a horse and then stretch it out to turf going two turns? And I looked it up and he's only done it 21 times in the last five years, but he's five for 21 with a $3 ROI. And, you know, he, he was off slow and was in the slop in that last race. So I would include because that's something that, you know, people don't think he does, but he actually does. And you should get at least the 12 to 1 morning line. Yeah, I think yeah, you're going to get a lot more than that. I, I think the one's going to be four to five. I mean, I, I think five to two morning lines is kind of, um, you know, I hope, but I, I don't think so. I think that horse will get buried because, you know, because jock, jockeys matter too. I mean, in Jersey, they, they traditionally really bury uh, Paco, like kind of like in New York um, and in Florida, South Florida, when Irad rides there, horses that should be three to two go off six to five or even money because he just gets uh, he just gets a lot of money. But I, I mean, I did note the the turf breeding on this horse. Uh, but the one thing that I did also note was that the horse is trained exclusively at Louisiana Downs before coming to Monmouth, and Steve does not usually keep the horses that he likes a lot down there. So, um, I, I hope mean, that doesn't you, get you to gotta, the horses. You gotta demand you know, I hope the horses don't hear hear that. You know, the, all the ones that stabled <laughs> at Louisiana Downs. Yeah. Four horses. Well, it's hot there too. <laughs> it's yeah. one of the hottest places on earth in the summertime. Man. But you make yeah, well, a good point on the one prayer because not only just Paco, but also Pletcher at Monmouth. So yeah. that you know, if they do pound that horse, you there's in this kind of race where that horse isn't a lock, right? So you might get some crazy prices on a few of these horses that have a ch- chance that we've talked about. So it's worth watching the odds board, I think, on that race. Maybe yes, Wolgemuth sure. means big price in German. <laughs> well, I think it means like happy, or uh, so maybe you'll be happy if you play Wolgemuth. Yeah. Oh, we'll, <laughs> we'll see. Let's move to the 12th race. It's a claiming race, six furlongs on the dirt, purse of 24,000 for Phillies and Mares, three year olds and up. Chris, your turn to start this time. Well, I don't like this race at all because to me, the, the favorite is pretty strong, but also it's the kind you don't want to rely on. And after the favorite, you know, it's you can't really tell them apart. But I mean, the the favorite, the six or Starship Reina, as a jockey, I think that's won like two races in the last two years. But the horse just got claimed by a barn that does really good off the claim. The horse is fast. And and if you look at the optics plot for this race, this horse is this gigantic square in quadrant one, which probably doesn't mean anything to most of the listeners, but that's a really strong looking optics plot for this horse. So I, I don't like that horse. At, I would never bet it, but I don't have a strong opinion outside that horse if so it's the kind of horse, this is the kind of race that will keep me probably from playing the pick five because I don't want to single the six and I don't want to uh, leave it off. Uh, and I don't want to just don't want to put much money in, in a race, this kind of race. So I think the six is tough to beat. If you're looking for an alternative, they're hard to separate. I'd probably go with the five. You know, I'd be lying. Not for any great reason other than it's had some excuses in its recent races and its best race is as good as anything in here other than the favorite. So um, I'm a very reluctant 
to recommend anything in this race. Okay, Starship Rana. Yeah, I was thinking the horse had a shot, and I saw even money in the morning line. What did you think, Charles? You know, the first thing I do, and I, I admittedly, these are these type of races, handicapping these type of races uh, is the most difficult thing um, for me, like these, these bottom level claimers and uh, that kind of sometimes, I mean, most of these horses are all coming from different spots, which, which makes it a little tough as well. But the first thing I look for is, is speed. Who's going to be the, the speed of the speed and, and uh, Starship Reina is not a horse that needs to be on the lead. Um, but there's not much speed in this race. And you would think with a jockey that, that literally hasn't ridden much at all in two years um, with these connections, you would think that that would be the, the play. And then if the horse breaks alertly, that they're going to go to the lead. And um, oddly enough, you know, there's, there's two horses coming out of um, four and a half furlong races, uh, but neither of them show speed. And that's the seven Amers or the eight Tuesdays Rose. Um, uh, like Scott said, I, I'm, a, I'm really wary of the, of a starship Reina kind of single, just because of the the jockey situation and um, you know a little bit of a layoff off of the claim, um, but there just is not very much in here to like to really you know get excited about. I mean, most of the horses' form isn't that great, um, and like I said, the the seven and eight are coming out of four and a half furlong races. Uh, the A-Horse Tuesday's Road did show some good form at Monmouth last fall, uh, where it was claimed a few times, uh, including by the, the current trainer, uh, and has some tactical speed, comes out of these races. The last two races at Charlestown weren't bad, and um, I mean, that to me is, is kind of the uh, the the other horse I, I might be able to, to use, but pretty much everybody else, I, it's really tough for me to, to, to like any of them. Well, I'm going to pile on, uh, pile on. I'm, I'm going to give you a little bit more confidence in Tuesday's Rose. And part of the reason for that is uh, my viewing a couple of replays and the whip usage on Tuesday's Rose. The first thing is she does have a win last September at Monmouth on the lead. And it was in a big field. And it was with this trainer and this jockey. She got the lead with a hand ride. So she didn't need the whip. And I checked that because in her last race at Charlestown, she was under the whip from the get-go, four and a half furlong race. And she was off slow. The rider was whipping her. She was weaving all over the place. I don't think she likes the whip. And she did get whipped in the stretch when she won at Monmouth. But I, I don't think she needed it. It looked like, you know, the, it didn't look like it made a difference. And she responded when he was handwriting her. So I think this is kind of like a put-over type of race where, where the horse had trouble in his last two races, including being under the whip. I, I don't know why from the beginning. Still finished second, despite being running totally erratically. She's two for four at Monmouth. She's four for four in the exacta at Monmouth. And she's six for 18 of the distance. The trainer's hitting two for 10 at Monmouth in this, at this meet. He's hitting 19% in the last 90 days, and he's two for three with his jockey. So to me, 
Like, I might also single Tuesday's rose and get out of this pick five with uh, a total investment of under 50 bucks. Or, or I might also include Starship Reina just because she is the fastest and she's got a good workout going since that last race. Yeah, I, I'm not going to argue with anything you guys said. To me, this race, any of them could win for sure. I think Starship Reina is the most likely winner for sure, but I wouldn't want to rely on her with a lot of a big investment in the windows anyway. All right. Well, we, we don't like that race, so we're just going to move on to the 13th race. It's an allowance on the turf. Purse of 47500 for Phillies and Mares, three-year-olds and up. Charles, what are you thinking? Um, I hate to be the master of the obvious here, but the, the two horses, uh, Cosworth Park for Todd Fletcher and Paco and uh, Amortization for uh, for Chad Brown and Dylan Davis um, seem like the most likely winners of this race. Uh, Cosworth Park comes out of a race against uh, Con Lima, who, who just came back and, and, and won a, a stake the other day. Um, and gets a little class relief here. The horse, you know, they they didn't think much of the horse, you know, dropping it down at the beginning of the, the Gulfstream meet to, to break its maiden for uh, for 25. And then, it you know, they tried a, another uh, a race, came off the turf in a starter race. Then she, she won a starter race really wide, like circled the field and, and actually ran really well that day. Didn't run bad at all in the, uh, the, the, the Santabel Island, which just had absolutely no pace in it. Um, and it ran, ran decently in the last race. I mean, she wasn't a factor in that stake, but um, had a little bit of trouble, had a little bit of a wide turn, uh, or excuse me, was, was a little, you know, lost a little ground on the turns. And, and, and the, the, coming back to the mile, um, the mile here, I, I think will will benefit her. Uh, and like I said, I'm, I'm not crazy about betting the chalk, but um, she looks she looks like the one here and. Um, you know, Chad Brown, the, these these horses that, of his that just make up ground. Uh, he, you know, he had a great meet at Mammoth last year, and he started out good here. And um, you know, this Phillies looks like she could be one that uh, it would would be uh, improving. And um, most of the other ones, I, I just really wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't thrilled with. Uh, I mean, like Hura, the seven horse for Carlos David. Uh, She's really a, a state bred type of horse. Her, her wins are against Florida breds, and those Florida bred allowance races are generally won by horses um, who, who have been uh, who are either really good and they go right through the condition, or they're won a lot of times by the horse in for the optional tag. So those are, are really probably a step down from here, and um, I, I just couldn't really get excited over anybody else. A lot of these horses have had a lot of tries. At the you know at this class and and uh, and there was one horse in here that, that I thought was uh, we had talked earlier about maybe trying the turf because they don't have uh, the options and, and I think that might be number nine toned up um, you know she had shown uh, some some ability on the on uh, the the dirt looked like a lot more ability on the dirt than on the turf uh, but she returns here on the turf and. Uh, I, I, not that she's uh, going to be a big favorite here or anything, but but I, I think she probably 
would uh, would be the horse to beat if this race were to come off the turf. Okay, it looks like uh, a race where you might have to just deal with the low-priced Chad and Pletcher picks. Chris, what did you think? Oh, I agree. Those two are contenders. I was a, wasn't quite. I it seemed like the the four was more reliable than the five of the favorites, but it is Chad Brown off the fa- off the layoff and the horse did come off a maiden win. So, I mean, I agree those two are, are good, but I, I kind of like the one horse I hear you hasn't been running particularly well recently, but it had some excuses in some of those races and back in, in the fall and summer last year as a three-year-old this horse was running some really good races so it's capable of better stidham runs he does pretty well anywhere and he does pretty well at monmouth and he and this rider diaz hook up pretty well um when they get together especially in turf routes at monmouth so down on the rail this horse might be rounding back into form best races are are good enough to win um, and you might get you know, it's six to one on the morning line, but I wouldn't be surprised at all. You know, this horse was 16 to one. It's last start, you know, that it's a bigger price than that, especially because the, the Pletcher and Brown horses will take a lot of money. So, you know, I expect that horse to be, you know, above the six to one. And, and to me, that's the, the value, the one horse I hear you. Okay. Well, I, I like all the horses, uh, at least the two low price horses that you mentioned, Charles. And also, I hear you looks like has a perfectly good shot. I went on top with Ella's Island. I think she's going to get the lead, uh, has a nice post for it. Chased a couple of bomber wingers in last and um, faded. She's third off a laugh. I'm not sure if this is a female. Yes, it's Philly. Uh, third off a layoff for a trainer who hits at 18% that way. That seems to be like her main, her main, uh, her best way of scoring. So, so I'll, I think I'll use, I'll use the horses that you guys talked about, but I will definitely include and use on top Ella's Island because, uh, I, I, I like the pattern. She needs to go a little faster, but she's also going to have the lead and that's going to give her an advantage. Yeah, there's, there's, a striking lack of speed in this race outside of Ellis Island. So she should be able to, to dictate the terms pretty well. She's not the, the, she, she's not the strongest finisher um, in the world, but uh, you know, speed on, on this course is, is a dangerous thing. Uh, the one, the knock I had against, I hear you is that she really doesn't seem like she's any better as a four-year-old than she was as a three-year-old. Um, and, and to me, like, she should have gotten better and in, in, um, instead of, in, you know, she, she just doesn't seem like she's, she's gotten, uh, you know, she's improved a whole lot. And uh, I, I just, these are tough races to, to beat the chalk and that um, I just don't see anything else in here to like, even you know, remotely have a, have a, try to find some, some angle, you know? Yeah, well, definitely the I hear you hasn't run as well uh, lately as it had before. But to me, 
it seems to be coming back around. Like I said, some of those races, it had some legitimate excuses, some of the poorer efforts. So I'm just mm -hmm. counting on the fact that, you know, with a clean trip from the rail, uh, which is worth uh, something just in and of itself, if you can save ground around both turns and you get a clean trip and the horse does run back to what it was, just to what it was doing last summer, it could win. So, I mean, it is kind of like, um, I totally agree that this horse isn't rock solid, improving every start type of horse by any chance, but that's why you might get 10 or 12 to one. No, that there's, there's definite truth in that. And like, uh, I mean, you can't use the chalk every race. And, well, I mean, you can, but you're not going to do any good. I mean, you're not going to make any money <laughs> doing it that way. So, well, yeah, another, that... another thing to say about overheard is, I, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, I hear you, is the dam is overheard. And that was, she was a major turf horse. She won the Dance Smartly grade two at Woodbine. And she also won a couple other stakes races on the turf. So the talent is there. The, the only question is, you know, can she deliver today? And you're getting paid if she does. So I, I, I like the pick. Yeah, I, I think she's going to be a lot longer than, than the price on the morning line as well. I, I think sometimes the, I, I think Pletcher's horse will be eight to five. I think Chad Brown's horse will be two to one. And, uh, you know, I, I'm thinking you're going to get 12. 12 to one. I think you get double your, your morning line on that horse. Yeah, and you kind of hit on the, the secret in this card is, you know, there are the favorites in most of races are pretty solid. Um, and but you can't play the favorite in every race. So you have to find if you're going to like play the picks, you got to pick a couple of the seat of the races in the sequence where you're going to try to beat the favorite. And it's just a trick is, you know, picking the right races um, to do that in this sequence. Yeah, this is this is not an easy sequence. I mean, uh, there's, I mean, the, you just kick it off like the ninth, the, the, the ninth race. I mean, I, I think there's legitimately like seven horses that could win the race, and 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 I, at least I wouldn't be shocked at all. So that that race itself was, you know, like getting live in that race uh, after one is going to be a little bit of a challenge. And um, I think if if uh, if if Sappy Joseph source in the you know uh, in the Salvador Mile, New York traffic stubs his toe, that's a wide open race behind um, behind him. Um, the, the even the the, the maiden race, uh, the eleventh race, uh, the race where I, I kind of like the, the the Pletcher Speed Horse. I mean, the horse was sixteen or eighteen to one first time out, so it wasn't like this was uh, you know the the most highly touted horse coming out of that barn. I mean, she, he's far from a, a cinch as well, and um, I mean, this is a this is a good uh, a good sequence in that there seems to be beatable favorites as, as well, and uh, and I know that a lot of guys out there are, are not playing Mama, um, and uh, I, I you know I get it, I, I I support it if if you if that's how you feel, um, but I'm not a boycott person. Like I think if if uh, if, if you like a card, if you like a horse, if you like a race, then bet it. I mean, that's you know that that's what we do. And and you know, it's not the fault of the participants um, that Mammoth has gone to the well, Mammoth, but New Jersey has gone to this rule. Uh, it wasn't Mammoth's choice, um, and it certainly isn't the the fault of the owners and the trainers and all the 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 people that 
that make the the, the races go. Uh, um, and if you you know you, you feel like this is a a track, you know you can make some money at. Like, hey, listen, I, I don't blame anybody for 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 trying it. And to that uh, to that end, it appears that the pick four is also a fifteen percent takeout. That's based on the Hannah chart. Um, I don't know if it's still true, but the 15% pick five and 15% pick four, in case you get blown out of that first leg. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a tough leg. Uh, I mean, there's no really easy leg in here. I mean, even with the, the favorites that are going to be pretty low prices, you know, you, we've made, I think we showed they all have some knocks. I mean, each of us maybe has a different opinion about which one's the most vulnerable, but, all of them, you know, there's there's no like uh, horse in here that's super strong single. I don't think in the sequence. No, if if Starship Reina or Tuesday's Rose doesn't win the twelfth race, I mean, it, it, that that's a real crapshoot after those two. And I mean, that's and, and both of them. I mean, the, you know, the even money more than my favorite has a jockey that has a same amount of wins in the last few years as, as us three and uh you know that's kind of a uh it's always kind of scary to take the, that that kind of a, a jockey anyways and uh at least with like a 10 pound bug well you know the, you're getting 10 pounds and they're fearless but uh uh it, it's a little bit of a, a tough, tough proposition and uh, you know it, it's a tough race like that that is like you know, those are sometimes the races where uh, afterwards somebody will win and you'll scratch your head and it's like, I still couldn't use this horse. Like there's, <laughs> there's still no real indication of why I should have played this horse. Yeah, I think definitely if Starship Reina doesn't win, that could happen in that race because the rest of them, they're, you know, they're, there's none of them you can rely on at all. So who knows which one will actually run a, ra- a good race. Or at least an, an average race is probably all you need to win. Well, I did have a chance to look at the rest of the card, and I have to say I, I did not find anything else I really liked, but did either of you gentlemen? Well, in the eighth race, there's a horse named Christopher. So yeah, <laughs> how could you not play that horse? Uh, actually has a chance. It's in against a, a horse. He'll probably be two to five, a Chad Brown horse. But there's a lot of speed. And he's one of the few closers in the field, so maybe you know, it could fall apart up front and he could clunk up late. But that's probably more just rationalizing his having a chance, given the name, than anything else. <laughs> yeah, some of the races, just betting names might be uh, might, might be the play. <laughs> I, I didn't see a, I didn't see a, a whole lot that really was was all that interesting, to be completely honest. Okay, well, with that, then, I'd like to thank our guest, Charles Simon. Charles, thanks for hanging with us today. Hey, guys, I, I appreciate it. It was fun, and uh, hopefully uh, ho- hopefully, at least a couple of these horses uh, that, that I, I selected show up. Um, you guys, I don't embarrass, uh, embarrass you to your audience, <laughs> but uh, well, I appreciate it. Anytime you. you guys need me. All right, pleasure to have you. That will conclude show number 125 of the Sport of Kings pod. Good luck in the Monmouth Pick 5, and please enjoy the Brooklyn Boogaloo Blowout. I'll see you on Sport of Kings. Cheers.
Yeni 